Welcome to Bespoke Diaries, today's article is on, Hunger Games, and then some, by Rayaktka, author, USA. In India, poor people are thin. In Europe and America, only the rich are thin. A diplomat's daughter once said this to her when she was a teen in New Delhi, in 1981. The observation was so startlingly true, she has never forgotten it. But, her awareness of food started long before that date. Raya was barely four years old, a reluctant eater of prawn curry with rice one winter afternoon in Calcutta, to the accompaniment of the story of Red Riding Hood when her didima, grandma, lost her patience. Tired of her constant interruptions to correct her if she tried to skim over even a single syllable of the story, during its fourth retelling, Didima took matters into her own hands. She put down the spoon and said, You remember the beggar woman with her skinny child we saw from the car window on your way home from Montessori? Distracted by this new twist, she stopped chewing on the rubbery prawn in her mouth and nodded. Well, said Didima, keenly conscious of how much beggars scared her, do you think she has the money to feed that child any food at all, while you sit there and drive her crazy to eat one bowl of food? She knew perfectly well what money was. It was the thing her dadu, grandpa, stressed about the most. If she so much as looked at money, he made her wash her hands, because lepers touch money. He would tell her, but Didima's scolding came as her first cognizance of food, which she considered a daily penance. Slowly she thought about the filthy beggar woman and how Dadu, at the time the Director General of the Geological Survey of India, insisted that Didima wash all raw food ingredients in our house with a weak solution of potassium permanganate. In that instant, within her four years old head, food, cleanliness, filth, and hunger collided into one impossible tangle. Regardless, Raya believes she can safely claim that she never gave Didimu any grief ever again about eating the food on her plate. In fact, she couldn't even look at food anymore without thinking of the beggar woman and her child and their misery. Perhaps given the above association, she was lucky to marry two diplomats, back to back, who happened to serve in several developing countries where, for the most part, she never saw food being wasted. That dynamic only changed once she moved to America in 2001, to become a boarding school teacher. In this new environment, day after day, she saw her acquaintances regularly serve themselves more food than they could possibly eat, careless as they discarded most of it into a helpful trash can before they placed their empty plates into a bin to be washed later. Dumb in her ignorance, when she absolutely couldn't handle watching this rampant waste for a single minute longer, she asked a colleague in that boarding school dining hall why Americans wasted food as they did. She replied, oh that food is doomed whether we eat it or not. There is a food administration law that mandates that all food unrefrigerated for over two hours has to be thrown out anyway. Right, she said, thinking back to the poverty she had witnessed in her own country, where too many are born on a sidewalk, destined to die quick, ruthless, tragic deaths before they can even complete a month of life on earth. Why asked her beleaguered mind, why are some so unlucky, while others have so much, they don't even comprehend what they have. Many years have passed since then, and she has learned better than to make uncouth comments about people's food habits. 
But to this day, she still thinks about what her friend told her 40 years ago, that in the first world the poor are fat because even in their poverty, they can go to a soup kitchen and waste food. Clearly, she can't change a nation, but what she can attempt to do is try and reorient one person at a time. Therefore, to those who come to eat at her home in America, she recounts the lesson Didima once taught a spoiled four-year-old. Then she stipulates outright that they cannot waste food at her dinner table. You see, too often we shrug and disassociate ourselves from a problem because silence is more comfortable than sound. But how will this unfair world change unless we take a stand? Unless we are willing to at least uphold our own opinions? And our stand, like mine, may be infinitesimal, but it is still a stand. A very long time ago a man called Mohandas Karamchand Gandhi imagined an India free of British rule. Alone and unarmed, he adopted a stand. In time, his stand changed the configuration of the world map. We think we can't make a difference, but as a writer, she passionately seeks to change the world, even if her actions are no more than a drop at a time. Because every single drop, dear reader, is a vital drop that makes the ocean. So take a stand on something today. Change the mind of one person, and maybe in time, you too will change this world like I seek to do. Thank you for your time. Don't forget to like, subscribe and share. Do leave your thoughts in the comments section below. For similar type of article please reach us at contact at thebespokediaries.com or you can visit our website www.thebespokediaries.com.